Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley, and this is the 545th show of ROI. Our noted guest for today is Michael Clean, author and photographer, who's going to talk to us about the Vishnu Springs. Joining us in the second segment of our show will be our history buffs, Ed Broders and Terry Toppler. To begin with, we would like to welcome Michael Clean to the show. Hello, Michael. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure for you to join us. The first segment of our show is referred to as Fadaruk Dinarin, and our goal is to give our listeners a little background on today's subject. So, Michael, can you start us off with some basic information on where Vishnu Springs is and its history? Sure. Well, Vishnu Springs um, was an old resort town, and it was in um, in uh, Macomb, Illinois, well, in a rural outskirts of Macomb, Illinois. So that's in western Illinois, kind of where that bulge in the state is. And... Basically, um, in kind of the middle of the uh, 1800s, there was a man named Darius Hicks who discovered a spring on his property. And at that time, uh, kind of healing springs and mineral waters were coming to the forefront. Um, There was a big push to sell that kind of like medicinal um, stuff to the public. And he decided to turn it into a resort and kind of promote it as this cure-all. So local coal miners and people like that would come out. And he built a hotel there, which is the only remaining structure called the Capitol Hotel. And uh, it survived for a couple of decades um, before going belly up because he never really turned a profit or anything like that. And then... In the 1960s and 70s, it was kind of like a commune for um, college students, local hippies, things like that, uh, that went out and they rented uh, rooms there in the old hotel. Um, And then eventually it just became abandoned and it was sort of an object of folklore um, for the students at Western Illinois University and they would go out there and tell ghost stories. And, of course, there's legends that the place was haunted um, because Darius Hicks, uh, his wife died. And I believe he eventually committed suicide. So there's a lot of tragedy associated with the property. Um, and that's why, you know, people tell these ghost stories about it. But now it's uh, part of a nature preserve owned by the university. And people aren't allowed to go out there, but of course, you know, people still go and sneak on there and uh, just to explore the ruins and uh, test their courage and things like that. Okay. Um, One thing I'd like to let our listeners know about is how did you personally come up on this uh, subject? Uh, What what did the Vishnu, Vishnu Springs bring interest in you? How did it occur? Well, I had been writing about local history and folklore in Illinois for several years. Um, I got my bachelor's and my master's in history 
at Eastern Illinois University, and there was a similar place uh, near Eastern called Ashmore Estates, um, which has become pretty popular, pretty well-known nationally. And I decided to get a second master's in education at Western, and when I went out there, of course, I had, I had known about Vishnu Springs um, from my research just about folklore in general in Illinois. But when I went out there, um, it really, you know, stuck a, struck a chord with me because of that familiarity and similarity to Ashmore Estates. Um, it was another abandoned property out in the wilderness that college students would go to and visit and tell ghost stories about. So that kind of drew me to the area, and it does have a very interesting local history uh, being this kind of um, resort, you know, having that backstory to it. Uh, So I just kind of found it fascinating. Okay. Um, Could you describe to our listeners uh, how many acres is this area? And when you're talking about the hotel, um, was it like a four square building or was it one that was kind of colonial mode or what exactly was its makeup? So the property itself, uh, I'm not sure what the original size was, um, but it became around 140 acres, um, which was willed to Western Illinois University. That's how they acquired it. And the Capitol Hotel is a large um, wooden building. It's a wooden frame building. Um, so that's why it has deteriorated so much. Of course, the last time I saw it was it back in probably 2009. So I have no idea what it looks like today, but I imagine it's probably deteriorated a lot more. But it's about uh, two stories with an attic, and there was uh, 20 rooms and a ballroom uh, and a restaurant in there when it was open back in the heyday. Okay, so I'm um, I'm going to have you look into the crystal ball, which we kind of do a lot in this show. Why has Western Illinois done very little with this property, as you're implying? Uh, because they own it. You think that maybe they would want to do something with it? Do you have any idea why that is? Yes. Well, unfortunately, um, in Illinois, when it comes to places like this, there's a big stigma about it. And a lot of similar properties, um, I can think of another one down at, near uh, Southern Illinois University. There was a place called Sunset Haven that used to be a county poor farm. And then the university used it for many years, and then they tore it down. And one of the reasons is because these places attract stories and ghost stories and curious people And I never really understood why the university would react this way to kind of close it off and prevent people from going there. I always think it's better to use it as an educational tool because you you have the interest there. So people want to come and see it, and you have this great opportunity to put up interpretive signs, tell the story of the the uh, Capitol Hotel, tell the story of the ghost town and the resort. Um, But unfortunately, you know, they see it more as like an embarrassing thing that needs to be kept away from people. 
Okay. Uh, we have a lot more to talk about, so please stay tuned for the next segment of our show. This is ROI on KALA, St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. Davenport, Rock Island, Milan, Coal Valley, Taylor Ridge, Bettendorf, Eldridge, Long Grove, LeClaire, Moline, East Moline, and Silvis. We're right in your neighborhood with local radio for the Quad Cities. KALA Davenport, 88.5 FM. Hello and welcome back to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley and this is the second segment of our show, referred to as The Kitchen Table. Our noted guest for today is Mr. Michael Klein, author and photographer, and we are talking about Vishnu Springs. Our history buffs of today are Ed Broders and Terry Toppler. Terry, why don't you start us off with the first question? All right, thank you. So, Michael, this resort um, obviously attracted people for its mineral springs, and you said it started like in the late 1890s and perhaps also in the early 1900s. I assume that many wealthy people came to this uh, this place. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the early visitors and or residents of Vishnu Springs? Well, I do know that um, the hotel opened in 1890, but the, the resort itself had been going on since the early, uh, mid, yeah, around the mid-1800s. Um, when Darius Hicks was just bottling the water and selling it. And mainly his clientele were miners, so local coal miners. So these weren't really the wealthiest of people, um, which may have been one reason why the hotel didn't last very long, because he never really could turn a profit. Um, But he, you know, tried to make uh, accommodations for them um, in terms of, like, having a ballroom, having a dining hall, you know, things that would would be considered luxuries at the time, um, especially for working-class people. Um, so I, I don't know of any, like, specific famous guests that were there, um, but that seems to be what uh, more of the crowd that it catered to. Ed. Yes, Michael. Um, what can you tell us about the name of the place in terms of why it was called what it was, because nowadays most of us would think of Vishnu as in terms of the Hindu religion. Uh, strikes me there weren't a lot of Hindus in Macomb. No, in those for some days. reason, no, I I don't <laughs> think so. But well, I think that that kind of um, at the time, you know, would have been looked at, at as sort of mystical and mysterious. You know, the mysterious Orient, and there was a big revival of interest in uh, Egyptian culture and culture um, from India. So he probably chose the name as kind of a nod to, um, you know, this Hindu god, um, just to kind of give it a, an aura of mystery. I find it kind of, I don't want to say ironic, but kind of interesting, because Western Illinois, I'm a graduate there as well, wasn't established till like I think what 1904. It is established I think like at least five to ten years after 
this um, Vishnu Springs is established. Uh, for one, uh, how did he get the money to do this? Because that's a lot of space, uh, a lot of property, and a lot of investment. And the second question is, of course, West Illinois gets the property, which it wasn't even there when this was established. Right. Well, um, he did inherit the land. So originally it was owned by his father, uh, who was just a farmer. And he sort of discovered this spring and the, the unusual taste and mineral quality. Uh, and he was an entrepreneur and a businessman. Um, so he saw it as sort of an opportunity to turn a profit. Uh, there were plenty of other um, kind of similar establishments around Western Illinois. Uh, I can think of like Mineral Springs Hotel in uh, Alton, Illinois, um, was one famous one. But there were a number of these in operation at the time. And I think he raised the money primarily by selling the water at first. Um, but his business did go belly up eventually, so he probably, you know, borrowed a lot of money as well, and he couldn't pay it back. Okay, one the question, so you're kind of suggesting that this was not just him creating this, but there was other similar movements. Because when I first heard this, I thought of Warm Springs, Georgia with FDR, mm -hmm. although he definitely had a lot more money and changed it to something different. But that's also... 40 years down the road. So was this kind of a movement at the time, would you say, in the Midwest? Oh, very much so. Um, I am not really an expert on that period of history, but I know that there was a big health movement that swept the country. Um, that's where we get Kellogg's cornflakes from. I don't, know, I don't know if you have seen the movie The Road to Wellville, but it's all about Kellogg's uh, health resort that he had. And there were a lot of people around the country. This was before you had regulation of the medical industry. So there were a lot of people who promoted these sort of wacky, you know, health cures and um, diets that supposedly made you, li you know, live longer and uh, all kinds of things like that. So um, this was just sort of part and parcel of that. Okay, Terry. Yeah, Michael, you had mentioned that you'd been out to Vishnu uh, Springs. As a photographer, did you find it an interesting place to take photographs of? And if so, what were some of the things that um, encouraged you as far as photography? Well, at the time, um, I hadn't really established myself as a photographer. That's been more in the last three, four years or so. Um, but generally... Uh, you know, I started out visiting these places and getting pictures of them because a lot of um, a lot of books on the subject they you read about these places, but it's like hard to visualize them. And so um, that was one of my original concepts behind the newsletter, The Legends in Lord of Illinois, that I originally published my research about Vishnu Springs. Um, one of the purposes was to actually visit these places and take photos so people could see what it looks like. And, of course, um, since it's sort of like a, a hidden place, you know, a place that people aren't allowed to visit, um, of course, you know, I snuck in there. I'm not particularly proud of it, but... <laughs> uh, 
Plead the so, fifth now, yeah. Michael. Plead the fifth. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I think it's important, you know, to have that visual documentation of these historic places uh, because who knows, uh, someday they may tear down the building um, and there are very few photographs of it left. So that, that kind of was my big inspiration. Ed. Michael, you've talked about Vishnu Springs as a resort town. What was there to the town besides the hotel? Um, that I am not entirely sure of. I know they had um, a lot of different outbuildings to the town and probably some cabins and things like that. Um, so, but generally it was like all centered around the hotel. Okay. Um, we're going to piggyback on some shows that our um, history buff uh, Ed Broders has talked about because there have been ballrooms or dance halls in the local Quad City area that had an impact on the livelihood and entertainment of that community when you were talking about the ballroom here are there any records of like dances or was it also as you're saying an entertainment place or was it just pretty much that it was used for individuals who were with you know working with uh um you know the vishnu um institution i can't recall any specific research or articles about that about the dance hall um, but I imagine it was just for the guests. Okay. You know? Right, Terry. Yeah, Michael, you mentioned that there were ghost stories or legends, uh, folklore about Vishnu Springs. Um, can you talk a little bit about what were the legends um, that surrounded this place? Yes. So there are a lot of people who, um, of course, trespass to go out there and explore the place. And some of the, the claims are very vague. Um, people report seeing and hearing sounds from the past, like uh, seeing figures or hearing conversations or celebrations um, from a bygone era from when the, the resort was actually functional. Um, other people report seeing the ghost of Darius Hicks's wife, um, who died on the property. And even uh, Hicks himself, um, on occasion, there is a, a certain legend nearby in Colchester about a lady dressed in black. And that legend has kind of migrated over to Vishnu Springs. So sometimes you'll hear about that story, um, but it didn't originate there. It originated in the nearby town. Okay. Ed. Michael, can you talk about the larger movement across the country uh, when these resorts, these health resorts, sprang up? How long did that? Um, how long did that movement persist? And was Vishnu Springs just kind of part of it, or were there places that actually hung on quite a while longer? Well, I would say that uh, that movement probably lasted for a good few decades um, into the interwar period um, between World War One and World War Two. There's a number of famous ones, like um, the Hot Springs in Arkansas. Um, there was another one in Indiana. The name escapes me right now. But uh, these also were part and parcel with um, the tuberculosis epidemic, because that was 
at the time, at the turn of the century, that was one of the number one killers uh, was tuberculosis. And so um, a lot of these places also claim to have cures for that disease as well and a number of other diseases at the time because this was pre-vaccination. Mm-hmm. And then I think when uh, vaccination really started to gain ground and other advances in the medical uh, industry where people began to be cured of these diseases through science, I think they kind of, you know, turned away from these these health spas and, and things that um, clearly didn't really work as a cure. Um, and people just sort of realized that, I think. And, and also regulation of the medical industry. Um, the government came in and made them put ingredients on medicine labels and things of that nature. Um, so that really, that really died, you know, killed that as well. And so how did Hicks market this place? Did he, um, if, if, if his, most of his clientele were minors, was he, you know, saying things about, well, we can help out your black lung, or was it in fact TB as well, or was it just kind of a generic come here and feel better? Um, that I don't know. I think it'd be interesting if we had like an advertisement or something from from the place, but uh, generally, I think it was word of mouth. Okay. Um, for the question, then, how did... Um, obviously, the place eventually bellied up, but we've already established that this was kind of movement going around the nation. Um, let's focus on the community, community and Macomb. Um, as I said before, the university isn't around for years later. Uh, how did... Is there any record of what the community thought about this besides that you know there's some people obviously who liked it in the beginning but eventually it died so is there any record of that do they have newspaper articles on it or anything that you know of uh i have not seen anything contemporary about their opinion of it until it gets into the like 1960s and 70s when they start, you know, students start going there and living there on this sort of commune uh, situation. And then later, after it had been abandoned, then it, then of course, you know, it gains a very negative reputation. Um, so that's that's primarily what I'm familiar with is the articles um, at the student newspaper at Western around Halloween. Of course, you know, they usually publish articles about local legends and. Vishnu Springs is definitely a favorite that comes up uh, nearly every year. I must admit, after getting my master's there, to imagine that a commune is in Macomb, Illinois, is really something that is quite a challenge for me. I know it was years before I went there, I got mine in the 90s. But still, a commune in Macomb... Uh, it's taken me a while to get my head around that. So anyway, uh, Terry. <laughs> yes, um, Michael, I'd like to know a little bit more about Darius Hicks. And you'd mentioned um, that he committed suicide. Um, so what was going on behind the scenes? Um, was it because the business wasn't uh, successful? Was it because of his wife's death? I mean, what, do you, what can you share with us about Darius 
Well, I think all of the above. I think that he um, was an enterprising man who saw this as a big business opportunity, and he really had a vision in mind for this establishment. And I think um, after his wife died, um, I believe she died in childbirth, uh, and then the business kind of went south. I think that really weighed heavily on him, and he just felt like, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't go on anymore um, with things heading in the in that direction. Okay, Ed. Yes, um, Michael. How did uh, how did Hicks market the 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 water itself? You've talked about how he started out bottling it and then built this resort as a health resort. I mean, did you did he heat it up and you bathed in it? I don't imagine there was such a thing as a hot tub. Um, so when you went there as a coal miner to have your ailments reduced or treated, do you have any idea what that consisted of? Well, from what I've read, it was really uh, two different ways of transmission, I guess you would call it. Either you would drink it, you know, they would bottle it up and sell it, or there were kind of pools uh, with the natural spring water that um, people would go and bathe in. Um, so those were the, the two primary means. You know, people would submerge themselves in the water, and um, its kind of healing properties were supposed to be transferred on you. Okay. It is customary for us to give our guests the last word on the show. Michael, why do you think knowing about Vishnu Springs and its history and places like it are relevant in today's world? Well, it's extremely relevant um, because, as we've pointed out here, I mean, you you learn new things all the time through uh, looking at the past, through the lens of these these fascinating places that are so different from what you would ordinarily encounter. And it's a way to teach local history um, through folklore, through things like ghost stories. Um, a lot of people, they don't believe in it, but, you know, it is something that catches people's interest. And if you can get them out there, um, because they're interested in ghost stories, well, then they'll learn, you know, more about the local community. They'll learn more about the history of the county. And there's a financial aspect as well, um, because they go and visit these places and they spend spend money in the community. So they're really great at uh, generating that kind of um, tourist activity, uh, as it were. But it's educational as well. So... I think those things combined show that having these places open to the public um, is very relevant in today's world, especially when everything is online. It's much better to be able to visit a, a physical place and interact with it. Okay. When we come back, we'll wrap things up, so please stay tuned. This is ROI on KALA, St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. You're listening to Relevant or Irrelevant, 
This series is produced at St. Ambrose University's KALA Radio and has been honored by the Midwest Broadcast Journalists Association and the Iowa Broadcast News Association for excellence in public affairs journalism. You can hear this edition of ROI and many previous programs in this series by visiting Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, plus Apple Podcasts. ROI airs Friday nights at 9.30 p.m. on KALA HD2 and can also be heard at 106.1 FM in the Metropolitan Quad City area. You can stream this show every Friday night at TuneIn.com. Search for KALA HD2. This concludes ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant. Our producer and engineer is Dave Baker. Our program manager is Rick Sweet. And the theme song for our show is titled Kayla's Theme, which is written and performed by Mark Zap Zaptel. My name is John Keeley, and we would like to thank our noted guest, Michael Clean, author and photographer, who's talked with us about Vishnu Springs. The history buffs for today's show were Ed Broders and Terry Toppler. This is ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, on KALA. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of St. Ambrose University or KALA. We would like to wish all our listeners to experience the great Basutu proverb, Hotso Pulanala, peace, reign, and prosperity. And remember, historians are horrible fortune tellers. Good night. Good night.